welcome back to Ratchet and Wrench Radio, strategies and inspiration for auto care success. I'm your host, Chris Jones, where today I'm joined with Ratchet and Wrench columnist, Joe Marconi. Joe and I are going to take a bit of a deep dive into his August column, which was entitled, There's No One-Size-Fits-All Repair Shop Business Model. We're going to discuss data and the value of data and how shop owners can interpret and use data to improve their shops. Uh, we're going to be talking about competition, the value of competition, but yet why competition externally isn't as good as competing from within. And then we're going to talk about trends, uh, external trends. Um, we're going to talk about industry trends, how to interpret those, and why we shouldn't get too bogged down with those, but instead uh, figure out how those trends impact our business and then build from there. Uh, so here's Joe Marconi. Well, hey, Joe, welcome back to Ratchet and Rich Radio. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. It's always a pleasure being here. Thank you so much. Anytime yeah. you need me, just ask, okay? Absolutely. Yeah, so it's good to have you back on. You know, I think we had you back on in the spring, and that was just a lot of fun. So I wanted to have you back on to tackle another one of your columns for the fall. Sure. Sure. No problem. Let's yeah, get so going. How, yeah. How things been for you? It's good. You know, I, I since my retirement, I'm working more and more with Elite and uh like I said earlier, too, I have to. I think I have to retire from my retirement because it's <laughs> because it's been a whirlwind. Now, just kidding. It's been good, really good. I love helping people. I love coaching. I love working with the team at Elite, doing the webinars, the seminars, the uh, all that's involved with it. So it's all good stuff. All good. Yeah, yeah. Like I was telling you, I had an opportunity to meet uh, Darren Barney, man. Sharp guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's taking the company forward in the right direction and uh, very exciting things are going to happen in the future. So really looking forward to being part of that elite team. Really. Absolutely. So I'm a little bummed that you won't be in Aurora with us this year in Colorado, but uh, at the restaurant management conference, yeah. but I know you're doing something really exciting. Can you tell us what you're doing uh, this fall? Yeah, we're doing the fly with the Eagles course, which is right around the same time. That's why the conflict. So the fly with the Eagles is a three day uh, business management course for business owners and shop managers. And uh, we do three days of intense, intensive diving into the financials, uh, personal leadership, marketing, recruiting, employee management, all the key fundamentals about building your business. So three days, very, 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 very um, emotional at times. And uh, you see the team coming together and, they can, and, and all the attendees coming together. So it's good times, good times. Right on, man. So let's unpack your August column. You know, there's no okay. one size that fits all. Uh, sorry, there's there's no one size fits all repair shop model. Right, um, right. In this one, you know, you raise some questions about auto shop standards, particularly as it comes to KPI. Uh, do you think shop owners get lost in the data comparison without thinking about the relative size of shops, the number of techs and advisors, hours of operation? I, I really do. I think that while it's important to understand benchmark numbers, KPIs. There are some standards that we do you know, aspire to. We have to be real careful because as a business coach and being in business for 41 years, I learned that while you need to look at certain benchmarks and aspire to that, a business is like a fingerprint. There's no two alike. So you have to be real careful about understanding what drives your economic engine, you know, what drives your business in terms of profitability, because those margins, depending upon where you fall in your business, your employees, your pricing structure, the business model, how your customers, it may not exactly line up the way it's supposed to 
when you see it on paper. So it's very, very important to understand your financials and what and what makes the difference in your business. For shop owners, can it be counterproductive to use like consensus measurements, like looking at stuff like other t- other people's KPI or looking at like the industry as a whole, looking at the industry's KPI as a whole? Like when you see things like the our ratchet wrench management, I mean, sorry, our, our ratchet wrench industry survey or some of the other surveys out there, and you're looking at shops as a collective versus you know what's good for you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. can that be counterproductive for a shop owner to say, well, this this shop is doing this, I'm only here, I need to be doing more of this, that, and the third. Uh, as opposed to looking at what's in front of me, my personnel, what I've got going on? Well, you know, those surveys is, is a great starting point. But it's like looking at a uh, uh, statistic and making a judgment on that. In other words, let me bring the example of the average age of a car now is about 12.3, 12.4 years old. But I drive a two-year-old car. You follow what I'm saying? Yes. So that doesn't fit into my – or I drive a 20-year-old car. That doesn't fit into my – so you need to look at the surveys and need to understand where is that data being being obtained from and then make your own then you have to sit down possibly with a coach and your accountant and and make those decisions about what is the right labor margin for you for your shop part margin it probably will fall somewhere within those parameters but not exactly so to get caught up on it has to be this has to be that it can be uh, um, detrimental to your overall goals. Next, so just yeah, you have to start there, but it has to make sense for your business. So, for a shop owner, um, either new or seasoned, how, how much of a data sample do you need from your own data to determine, you know, your your um, efficiency, your your sales numbers, all those things that are measured in KPI, like what size of a data sample would you recommend that a shop owner collect? Is it like, you know, three months, six months, one year? More the better, depending upon how much you've been in business and providing that the data you're getting from your management system is correct. I just want to sidestep here a second. In order to get good data, it's the old expression, garbage in, garbage out. So in other words, set, make sure that you understand how to set up your business management system. There, no matter what system you're using, there's a lot of tools, a lot of reports that you can get a lot of data. So, you know, and data is always moving back in time. So let's understand that. It's, 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 a, it's a position right now that you're looking at, but it's always back in time. But make sure that, you're, that your technicians are set up properly with their, with their uh, uh, cost per hour that everything is put in there properly, that all your part costs, your inventory costs are, are, are put into uh, the, you know, put in properly. This way you get those true margins. I see a lot of times where the, where the business system doesn't line up with their actual profit and loss statement and it never will line up 100%. But if there's not a good starting point and set up properly, you're going to get poor data. So, but in terms of asking, you, answering your question, the further you can go back, the better, because that that, that data uh, builds upon time, and, and those highs and lows tend to smooth out to give you a more accurate picture of what's going on. No, I like how you said that. That really the data is looking into the past. So, with with that in mind, how can how do shops learn to forecast their KPI? How do they start to look and say, okay, well, twenty twenty four, this is what I'm expecting, and this is what I believe that I should be hitting. How does how does someone use their their historical data to forecast going forward? Then. Yeah, well, that's a good. That's a great question. And let's say that your goals are to achieve a overall GP gross profit, parts and labor of sixty percent. I'm just making this number up, and you know that usually you what you hear a lot is sixty percent gross part, 
overall parts and, and labor. So let's say you're at 55%. So right now you have to look at a number of things. You have to look at your technician's costs. You have to look at your labor, your, your labor margins, but also look at the workflow. Sometimes raising your, your labor rate is not the only way. You have to know what your labor rate is, calculate it correctly. And that's a whole other topic for, for, for another discussion, but that's a whole other thing. But, but once you achieve that correct labor rate, then you look at other things, the labor mix. Are you doing enough of the preventive maintenance work? So, so you break it down. In order to achieve my overall 60% gross profit, what's my production? What's my per technician? What's my sales ratios per my service advisor? And what's my workflow mix? What does it look like? Am I doing too much drivability, too much breakdown repairs, not enough preventive maintenance? So you, what you do is understand all the reports, sit down, and then it's like a it's like a puzzle, Chris, put all the pieces together. Then once you have some critical information that says, okay, I need to do more of this. We have a workflow issue. We have a production issue. So let's, instead of raising our rates to achieve it, why not improve our production, our workflow, cure the bottlenecks from the service department to the, to, to the back office? I mean, for the back shop, there are a lot of things going on there. So maybe I need to add a technician. Maybe I need to add a service advisor. Maybe this service advisor are too overwhelmed. So by looking at these reports and spending time going backwards, you will formulate a plan moving forward. Oh, that's very good. That's sound. Now, something that you are, you know, you've said in a couple of columns and I feel like you're very strong about is this idea. Okay. <laughs> is this, this idea of, what was that? Be a firestorm here or what? <laughs> no, no. It's the idea of copying your competition. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you're very, you're very no, strong because... about that because, you know, you talk a lot about just not, not modeling yourself so much after competitors or people around you. And I know a lot of shop owners participate in 20 groups and they, get, they participate in small networking groups where they're hearing other shop owners talk about their data, their numbers, such and so forth. Uh, but what's the difference between just outright just saying, okay, I'm going to take John's shop numbers and try to make those, my, make mine reach his versus just being inspired by John's numbers and say, okay, well, what are things, where, where can I derive inspiration from what John is doing as opposed to just copying all of what John's doing? You know well, what I mean? I, I, yeah, yeah, and I agree with you. And you mentioned something there in your words that it, that rings so true. You have to be inspired by other people, not copy them. You can't be, you know, in marketing, there's a term called the purple cow. And it was about, it's a book written by Zeth Godin. He's like the guru of modern marketing. And the, and the, and the principle of purple cow is, is simple. If you're going down a farm, uh, a road, and you pass a farm and you see brown cows and black cows, you don't pay much attention. But if you see a purple cow, you tend to look and say, wow, what is that? That looks remarkable. That looks different. So you don't want to become a Me Too brand because you know, you want to become a brand that stands out among the rest. Because let's face it, if if there are two shops selling Goodyear tires, what makes my Goodyear tire better than your Goodyear tire? What makes my, and, and in all fairness, what makes my brake job, given that we're using the same parts, same level technician, same, you know, everything's the same. What makes my brake job better than your brake job? In the eyes of the consumer, it's not. There's, there's no big difference. So make yourself, in a sense, remarkable so that people stand out, the consumer stands out and says, well, that's different. That's something I can, that, that's something I'm attracted to. So to, to blindly copy someone without making it your own 
is really an injustice to yourself because there are things that you're doing as an individual that make you different, that make you stand out. Find what that is. Now, I'm a firm, let me just sidestep here again and say, I'm a firm believer in talking to as many people as I can talk to, learn from everybody, from Tommy, the shop owner, Larry, the shop owner, and I want to see what they're doing, understand what they're doing, but I need to make it my own. If not, you're never going to have enough skin in the game, never going to own it 100% if it doesn't come from you. So once it comes from you, you have a platform to build upon that you can springboard off of. If it's somebody else's, you're not going to totally realize your true potential that comes from you. Right on. Yeah. And there's this, this thing of, you know, competing from within, you know, like the idea that, you know, we're not trying to compete with other businesses or other entities in our, in our area, but a lot of us, we're trying to compete from within. Can you explain really how a shop owner can really compete from within in terms of like just how they build uh, their own greatness from year to year in terms of improving upon their data, improving upon their processes, improving upon their KPI so that it's really just them getting better within themselves as opposed to them getting better as compared to someone else. Right. Well, you know, that's a great question. And that starts with the shop owner understanding the people that work with him or with her. When I looked at, when I looked at, when I'm a, you're a big sports guy. So am I, we love sports. But when you take a basketball team or a baseball team, those people that play those sports are usually on the same level. They've all aspired. They're all, their talent, unless you have your Michael Jordans or, you know, your Larry Bird, you know, those people. But other than, you know, you talk about uh, the great majority of ball players, they fall into a certain level of greatness. But in the working environment, whether it's a pastry shop or an automotive repair shop, it's not that way. You have your three-year-old, uh, th I'm sorry, your three-year experienced technician and your 12-year experience technician. So rather than pinning them against each other, what, what you should be doing is make them understand what their level is right now, their production level or their sales uh, level, what they're doing right now, and have them get better by competing against themselves. So that's where it starts. Because if I have a service advisor that's only selling at a rate of 40, 50% uh, uh, closing ratio, how can I get that person to achieve a 60 or 70% closing ratio by training, by mentoring, by coaching that person? So if I can build that from within, just, just organically, I'm going to make my business better. If I start pinning one person against the other, you know, then, then I'm going to have a situation where there's always going to be a winner and a loser. I want everybody in my shop to be winners. And by doing that, you can, everybody can win if they compete against themselves. We don't have that same environment we do on for the NBA or, the, or, or Major League Baseball. We don't have that. So to answer your question, uh, uh, it starts from within by understanding your people, getting them better, being helping them, mentoring them, setting up all the training and, and, and the one-on-ones to get them to, to raise their level of game. Once they do that, then you're going to organically, you're going to grow your business. Right on, man. Uh, so, now something else you also mentioned in the column was just this, this difference between percentages and dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Understanding the difference well, between percentages and dollars no, when it comes have, to your bottom no, line. You know, I know. And if you only look at, you know, everybody out there listening, I guarantee they know this. You don't pay your bills with percentages. You pay them with dollars. So we all know that. And if you look at, I've seen some some businesses that if you look at just the percentages alone, I'll give you an example. Parts. It's like 
POTS usually falls in that 45 to 55 percent, and that's a really broad range of, of POT margin. But I've, I have clients that they don't fall into that. They, they, their, their margin is maybe 40 percent, but if you look at their dollars, I'll match those dollars every day too, because it's the type of work they do, the volume they do, um, it's the it's the um, type of consumer. There, you know, it's it's about the business model. So, and again, that's why you can't, you know, general repair, specialty, uh, vintage. If you look at shops that do classic cars or. They do high-end European, Maserati, Land Rover. You know, you're all you're all over the map these days. Electric vehicles, you're all over the map. So you have to take in, you have, again look at the benchmark numbers, percentages, but also look how much how many how much pure dollars they bring into the bottom line. So for me, I look at both, and then if the number if the if the dollars are making sense, and sometimes you have to give the percentage a little little bit of a backseat. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, in the end, you talked about the need for shop owners really just to know their shops, you know, understand how you operate, what's good for you, what's good for your people, you know, all the while following industry trends, you know, industry trends are still very important. But, right. you know, how do you not how does a shop owner not get carried away? Like when they see things like, oh, well, electric vehicles are you know here or people are doing more ADOS work here, like, but it's not really relative to your area. How, how does a shop owner really start to unpack what's pertinent to them, like in terms of what's actionable now or what's actionable in the near future versus what's actionable a little further down the road and start to make sense of how to yeah. read and understand how trends relate to their shops. Well, you know, I, I think that it, another great question, Chris, really is, I think that to the best way to prepare for the, the future is to be part of the creation of the future. So you have to be part of it. So I do think that the, the shop owners, they have to take, at times, a calculated risk. So you mentioned ADOS, electric vehicles. You know, ADOS is here. It's been here. So I was a large shop doing a lot of tires and alignments. There is just no way, no way that I cannot get into ADOS. I have to do that. If I'm a small shop and I'm, and I'm farming a lot of that out, then maybe I'm in a wait, wait and see mode. Electric vehicles. Again, the same thing. If you're in Middle America, where you, there's there's no there's one one out of every ten thousand cars is a Tesla, then you have to say, you know, let's train, let's start gearing up for it little by little. But it, that's more of a wait and see. If I'm in Southern California, where you know, again, one out of every ten cars is a Tesla, then I got to be in that right away. So I think that a lot of that. A lot of that depends on where you are, what your customer base looks like, demographics look like. And then actually, Chris, I'll be honest with you, in my life, I made some leap of faiths that turned out to be very good. And I made some calculated risks that turned out to be very bad, I mean, very wrong. So, And that's just the part of being a leader. I may not always know the future, but if I'm going to be prepared for the future, I have to understand that I need to be part of the future and help create that future for, for me. Because if you wait and see sometimes sit on your hands, that's usually the wrong, wrong move. So take calculated risks, look at your customer database, look at your demographics, where it's trending. And then, you know what? Sometimes you have to just roll the dice and say, based upon what I see, this is it. And if it's a mistake, so what? It's a mistake. You know, we're all going to make mistakes. Yeah, I mean, they say what home run hitters strike out the most, right? 
there you go. <laughs> there you go. Great Those sports analogy. Yeah. They're taking yeah. the risk. Taking the risk. Yeah. yeah. So what's the best way for shops to treat external data? You know, when they come across external data, like if you were a shop owner and you're sitting in your 20 group or you're sitting in your networking group and you're you're being you're being presented data and you're hearing data. What's the best way for a shop owner to really analyze, process and decide what to do with data that they receive? You know, the the, the best data is important. I don't want to discount data, surveys, benchmark numbers. I'm I'm going back to what I said earlier and we started this, uh, you know, started this uh, show, but. But the best way is to try to look at the business model that, that you're looking at. Because if that now, if I ran a general repair shop, so and my customer base was, you know, domestic cars, Asian cars, not so much the European, not so much the exotic cars. So I, if I'm going to compare myself or look at data and benchmarking that, I need to look at similar. You know, I, I ran, I was a multi-shop. I had one annex two locations, you know, and I want to see, compare that, that, those numbers, that size operation, look at the amount of technicians, the, the amount of service advisors, and then compare that with a, with a like-minded shop or, or a similar shop has the same type of structure and same model. In other words, I'm not going to look at a European shop or a, a shop that does, um, you know, like I make a wild example. You're not going to look at a body shop or collision shop and say, "Well, look at those numbers." And that's kind of it's it's kind of doesn't apply as, in terms of analogy, but it does in, in some cases where you're running a truck shop, let's say, and you like truck shops don't fall into the same category, the same benchmarks as uh, general repair. So try to look at the data that that closely resembles the same business model size operation that that you have all right now you sent me a guy you sent me edwin platt you know from platt's performance you know and we talked about you know him and i talked about really how he went from someone who was really data agnostic like just didn't pay attention to his kpi just ran his shop like kind of by the seat of his pants and then once he learned and understood the value of kpi he took off yeah you know for for shop owners who are completely on the opposite side you know what advice do you have for them like in terms of like learning to understand data, appreciate data, gather data and use data to run their shops as opposed to just running their shop based on what the number of cars that come in, the amount of volume they get, you know, because that's, they're two different conventions there, but why is KPI the way to go? Well, you love basketball, right? I love it. You're a basketball player. (laughs) Yes. So if you and I were playing one-on-one in the schoolyard and we just shooting the ball up and just playing around, we don't know that we're not keeping score we just we may be we may think the perception is that we're working hard, but really not. Once let's let's say I hey Chris, let's start keeping score. What happens? We a lot start, more intense. Oh yeah, a lot more intense. <laughs> so once you keep in score and you know the score, then you up your game. The right. same thing happens with understanding KPIs. When you don't keep the score, when you when you when you're not sure what the score is, you're not knowing where you you don't know when you're winning or losing. You lose sight of the overall goal, and you just and you're just going through the motions. So before we're not keeping score, you and I are going through the motions. You know, we're going through the motions. But once we keep score, we understand the KPIs. Then we start being more intense about our approach to the game. The same thing happens once you start understanding, and it all starts, by the way, by understanding your business management system. 
There's a ton of reports in there that will help you. Once you understand that, then all of a sudden, just by understanding that your labor margin is not where it's supposed to be, your part margin is not where it's supposed to be, you start making adjustments right away. And those adjustments in the very, very beginning will change your life because those are the biggest, because if you're not keeping score, once you start keeping score, understanding the KPIs, those are those little critical points, uh, critical things that you do and adjustments you make in the very beginning probably will be the best things in, in your overall plan because you're going to jump really quick, really high, but because you're doing nothing before or very little before, and now you're doing something. And just by adjusting, readjusting, monitoring, measuring, adjusting, readjusting, you're going to move that level of play up and up and up and keep going up. Yeah. I just imagine that a lot of money gets left on the table when you don't keep score. Yeah, that's the, that's the, you know, when I take a client on sometimes and I see that the, uh, they're really not paying attention to the numbers and I look at their overall operation, they're fine. They're making money, but not making money they should be making. And it's always a struggle. They're always a little bit behind in the bills or they're not hitting, you know, they don't know why they're paying taxes. They don't know. They don't, they don't understand a lot of them. Once you bring these things together, it makes a lot more sense to them. And a lot less stress for them. And if, if there's a lot less stress for you, the shop owner, there's a lot less stress out there in the shop too for everybody else because they feed off your energy, whether it's negative or positive. So yeah, you're right. Too much money is left on the table. And for too long, you know, I've always said that for too long, the automotive industry is, for the most part, has been too cheap for too long. COVID changed all that. A lot of things changed all that. And more and more shop owners today understand the need to understand their numbers. And, you know, and, and let me just say one thing, but I don't want to forget this. I, I know I, being a shop owner, a former shop owner, now I help shop owners. I have the highest respect for these guys and, and ladies. Well, what they do on a daily basis is nothing short of a miracle. I mean, really hard work, dedication. They go to the ends of the earth for their customers, for the employees. Um, we just have to be get back in tune to who we are and 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 live by 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 the industry that we that we that we dedicate our lives to everything moves by transportation everything so without without the automotive people and the the, the trucking repair nothing even in the military everything everything has to be work in working order so that's what we do so you know and and I have the highest respect for everybody in this industry I really do all right. So any parting words for shop owners regarding just numbers, KPI, metrics that, that you want them to know before we close out? Well, I, I think we said it all. You didn't mention the four-day work week. That, uh, oh, that, yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I, I, you seem to have some thoughts, strong thoughts on that the, as well. Before we went on the air. So <laughs> that's a hot topic today. And I have clients and, and, and also fellow shop owners that say, how do I get to a four-day work week? And I tell them, Make sure it's for you because it may not be for you. I understand the whole concept of the four-day work week. And I heard now that, you know, they're talking about it in, on the government level to legislate for four-day work week. I get all that. But, you know, it has to be right for you. Again, don't copycat another business that's done it. We have one person in our elite coach. His name is Greg Skolnick from Maryland. And he, he pioneered the four-day work week over 20 years ago. But it, you have to understand he really knows his numbers. He knows his production levels. He understands. He works on one one or two vehicle lines. Um, so understand your business model. 
don't do it because Larry down the road's doing it or you heard something in a on another podcast or whatever. But if it's right for you as a coach, I'll help you get there. But it has to be right for you. Just don't do it because let's face it, there are a lot of other people working on the weekends, on Sundays. When when you're off, you're out in the mall or going to dinner and you want to go to the movies or go see a show. Those people are working too. So it doesn't fit everyone's business model. So, you know, so in closing, I just want to say, understand your business model. Don't be a copycat or a me too brand. Basically, a lot of us, we all do the same thing. Understand what makes you stand out. Understand your numbers, your business model, your demographics, your people that work with you, your customers. Build and build a, a business that supports that infrastructure, and you'll be fine. Awesome, Joe. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. Good so enough. So always great to chat with you, Joe. Anytime. You call me, I'll be there. Maybe we'll have a one-on-one, too. Uh, I meet, meet up in the schoolyard. All right. All right. Take care. And that's going to do it for us here today at Ratchet and Wrench Radio. Uh, I'd like to invite you to follow us on our social media channels on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as subscribe to our email newsletter, which goes out daily. Uh, and you can find that at ratchetandwrench.com. That's R-A-T-C-H-E-T-A-N-D-W-R-E-N-C-H.com. And may the rest of your day be the best of your day. And we'll see you next week.